Welcome to Combos at the Loan Signing Table, a podcast by Emerge Notary Agency, with your host, Altavis F. Flary, a seasoned notary and certified loan signing agent. Join Altavis for engaging discussions with first-time homeowners and industry insiders from diverse professional backgrounds. Together, we'll explore the nuances of the loan signing process and beyond, providing valuable insights and knowledge for the real estate and mortgage industry. Get ready for enlightening discussions that empower and inspire. Tune in and join us at the Loan Signing Table. I'm super excited to have you here, Eugenia. How are you today? I am wonderful and blessed. Oh, that's so awesome. Now, you know what the agenda is today, right? We are talking about African-Americans and the company of real estate and how we bring things to the table and what our backgrounds and professions do within the New York City real estate industry. So I'm super to have you here, Eugenia. But for those who don't know you, tell them a little about yourself and your background, please. I am a unique person. So I call Foxworth Realty a unique boutique. Okay. I opened my uh, my, uh, office in 2008 when everybody else was closing. Okay. I'm a realtor. Okay. I was the first Mm African-American in 72 years to become the president of the OPSI, the International Federation of Real Estate. Okay. We're in 72 countries. Global, huh? Yes, we are. Okay. And we're like the umbrella. We have 40 different professions Mm -hmm. that involve real estate. Okay. Now, Eugenia, tell me about any unique challenges you have came across over the last maybe two to five years when it came to closing deals in problems. Any that you have to share with us? There are things that affect my clients after the closing. Okay. Go into uh, details with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. One attorney mm-hmm. did a lien search on the seller, Okay, uh, you know, on the buyer as opposed to the seller. Okay. So we had to delay for three hours. Mm. He had just started doing real estate. The last, the second thing that happened that I found most disturbing is that after we closed the deal, my clients did not get that particular couple, their closing package. Wow. I got a call when they were about a year later because they were looking for things. Mm-hmm. It, it was not filed also with the city records. I mean, this is unique things, but it's something that's unexpected. Okay. I've never had it happen before. Okay. And um, it's uh, something that people need to be educated on okay. prior to. Definitely. Now, how did you deal with that throughout that whole situation when it occurred? Were you able to work it? work through with your clients or you guys had to start the whole process over? No, over I did coffee? not have to. Okay. We just went from point A to point B. Okay. Um, the particular situation with the lien search, yes. we were there. They were able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the attorneys mm-hmm. um, always goes to Albany. Okay. And Albany, uh, New York. Albany, Albany, New York. Uh-huh. So about three and a half hours later, mm-hmm. we were able to close. Whoa. Three and a half hours. I know three that and was a half some hours. Trying yes. times, but at least you right. got the deal done. That's right. the goal. Exactly. To be a go-to broker in Harlem. Right. Let's segue into my next question. How do you strive to be that go-to broker in Harlem, New York? 
how do you stand out amongst the crowd with Julia? Well, first of all, mm-hmm. I fell in love with Harlem. Okay. Tell us why. I had, well, I grew up in the UK. Okay. Then I went to Philadelphia. Okay. And I moved to New York uh, in my former profession as a flight attendant when I lost my mind. And the bottom line was when I went to Harlem, it was the rhythm, the people, the vibe, the vibes, everything. Apollo. Yes, everything. <laughs> yes. But there were organizations there. Mm-hmm. There was the Uptown Dance Academy right. um, that I got involved with because I love children. So I ended up on the board. Okay. So then I ended up being the vice president of the Harlem Tourism Board. Then, That's when they was trying to turn Harlem around. To, to do, is that before the, the revitalization of it? Excuse me, when they were trying to revitalize Harlem? That was in 2008. Harlem? Okay, that's the time. That's After the, time. the Clintons left, right, Eugenia? When they first came there and tried to change the trajectory of what old Harlem, what the new Harlem was now looking like. Right, okay. exactly. All right. So then, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Um, during the pandemic, Okay, they called me one of the Harlem angels because you were beating. Um, and on the bright side, mm-hmm. when the Red Rooster opened, okay. I was asked to um, organize something with tour guides okay. to take 75 investors around. Okay. So I'm involved with okay. the community. Okay. My being involved with the community mm-hmm. makes me a go-to broker. Okay. I'm not a big guy, but everyone knows. I put a kiosk during the pandemic mm-hmm. in CBS. Okay. So awesome. my, yeah. So my name was there mm-hmm. and, uh, that was on Lennox and 125th. So okay. I'm just a part of the community. You know, even people that are not people that are professionals okay. that have had struggles. Mm-hmm. I'm friendly with them. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So I just, where, where, where I'm hearing here, you're like a community organizer, community leader, because you're, you're plugged in. You're connected to the community. Yes. Old Harlem and New Harlem. Yes. Bring it together. Exactly. Which is awesome. Because I think nowadays, especially you see the, the landscape of what Harlem was and what Harlem is now, a lot of people are going, a lot of people are coming. So it's great to have, you know, community leaders and like go-to brokers like yourself, even though you deal with luxury uh, retail, you still have a love for the community. And that's hard to kind of break, Eugenia, don't you think? I mean, yes. especially in these times. Yes. And mm-hmm. I do residentials. Okay. I do it if people come to me okay. and they ask. I, I do that. Okay. In, in Harlem. I do residentials. It's mm-hmm. not a problem. Okay. But, um, the, I often get calls mm-hmm. for commercial spaces. Let's talk about commercial spaces. Like, What's an example of any commercial space that you had to close a deal on maybe the last two to five years? Anything that was challenging or something that was like you was not expecting for them to give you that call, Eugenia, to get this deal done? Uh, the reason it was challenging mm-hmm. was because it was zoned for something else. Interesting. And New York then, and their zoning. Right. Right. And I was fortunate enough that someone gave me the name of an expediter okay. to run it through. Okay. Because the owner was given a certain amount of time that the new owner. Now, don't forget to download my new ebook. Well, I'll be providing the simplest steps of how to safeguard 
your critical documents through a loan signing after you close on your residential or investment property. Don't forget to download in the description bar below. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to this episode. Mm-hmm. To do a build out without pay. And at that time, the rent was 18000 a month. Now tell us for fuck, for those who don't know what a build out is. Oh, a build out is you take a space, it could look anywhere, but you build it according to what you want it to be okay. at your cost, not the owner's cost. Mm. At your cost, if you are a, uh, you're leasing the spot. Okay, okay. Yes. Now, that's like now with a lot of these spaces, especially across the five barrels, like a big open space, and you can kind of construct it however you want to. Because now, I mean, you would think every part of the five barrels, they're always building, they're always building. So you was able to make that deal happen right. in your area of home. But you're dealing okay. with the city. Right. So when you get the space, you have to get rezoning for your profession. Right. Then afterwards, you have um, to make sure it's up to code. And that's the problem. What, what, tell for those who don't know, Eugenia, what is that process like? Can it be three to six months? Can it be two years? How is it? Or it depends on who you know in that department. It's good to know people. Okay. Because to get something up to code, you need inspectors to come in. A team of people. Yes, Mm -hmm. you really do. Okay. And they can take forever. If you see scaffolding that's up, Mm -hmm. that's because it's not supposed to be up a year. Mm. And you will see it. But you'll notice some scaffolding does not stay up that long. It's supposed not to be a year. Right. So it's working within the community, working within the government, mm-hmm. and knowing who to go to. And and pretty much knowing how to maneuver. Because you know yeah. our, you know our barrels like it's not about what you know, it's who, who you, you know, know. And it's Absolutely. still important. Absolutely. Which leads me to my next question. Talking about young people, they're coming up in this industry. Eugene, you tell me what do you can tell to a young architect to a young person's coming into construction or real estate, what are you doing behind the scenes to kind of bridge that 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 gap of trying to to pretty much mentor the ones coming behind you? What do you what do you have down? I generally tell them that it's good to get your degree, okay. but it's good to go back into the community. Why why is that so important? Because so many spaces, so many buildings, so many people. If you go into Harlem, I was shocked. Some of the brownstones people had lived in for generations. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And they never decided to purchase, even when the prices were low. Tell those viewers, uh, Eugenia, when those prices were, were low, where people could have really picked up a brownstone at. Oh the my fraction goodness. of a horse. Like, oh give, my give goodness. us an example. Like whatever, what that was like post that was where uh like early two thousands. Yes. It was it was the early two thousands. First of all, the city had brownstones that people did not pay taxes. Right. The only way mm-hmm. a, a, the city mm-hmm. can own a building okay. is if you don't pay taxes. In the boroughs, mm-hmm. within the brown and black community, mm-hmm. 40% of those properties were owned by 
brown and blacks that didn't pay taxes. And that was because someone did not tell them certain things. And this is a situation. Mm -hmm. So getting people in to educate the community, attorneys, um, you can get, I mean, they're, there, if you go on the city records, you'll see, oh, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong there. Mm-hmm. Also, um, a good example, there was a restaurant bar that was in Harlem. Name that restaurant. I probably am aware of it. Um, it's not there now. It was on 116th okay. and 5th Avenue on the south. West Corner. Okay. It was owned by a, a, a young black woman. Okay. The people that started purchasing upstairs filed lawsuits against them for noise, not lawsuits. Okay. Complaints for noise. She got 19. But that's a lot of money. Okay. Yes. A lot of money it cost her. Mm-hmm. She could not maintain her building. So that's important for people to know. If you're going to do a commercial space. This is for young people looking to get into this space of business. Yes. This is what they need to do. Tap into the community. Know brownstone history. You know, architect. Know how to design and keep the aesthetics of the community. Absolutely. It's not just expected in, in Harlem. It's in also in my beloved Barrow right. Brooklyn. Because we want to kind of still keep that aesthetic. Yes. But still embrace new designs. Yes. So I'm glad that you spoke about that. Because that's something that's not talked about, especially on the scale. Because everybody wants to get into selling, selling, but not knowing. If you're going to sell and then you have a rapport with an architect or someone in, in that design space, it's good to build that, that community and also combine, you know, your talents to make sure we keep the love for our beloved, you know, New York City. Absolutely. Don't you agree? I agree. And the okay. young people are going to be able to do it. Okay. I'm now watching. You see what, it? Yes, I'm seeing Have it. you seen, I mean, beyond financial literacy and like everybody wants to really get into this real estate space, not just in New York, it's just really nationwide. Yes, it's, and it's great to see people from all backgrounds, especially within the black and the brown community yes. to really get involved in that. Yes. But before we close, Eugenia, you tell people, where can they find you at? Like they wanted to reach out to you. Social media, uh, your website, tell them people where can they, you know, find uh, you. You can reach me everywhere. <laughs> I'm on Instagram, right. but, uh, Eugenia Foxworth, but my company is Foxworth Realty. Okay. You hear that, guys? Foxworth Realty. Okay. And uh, I'm actually in Harlem. I'm on West 125th Street. Told you they can stop by and see you now. You 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 open the door? No, you've got a call for something (laughs) in a building. I hear that. Like, don't stop by you. You guys give a courtesy call to Eugenia now. Just, you know, just let her know that you're looking at some property in real estate. Or you just want to say hello to Eugenia. Yes, call me. Call Eugenia. 212-368-4902. There you go. Eugenia, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about our guests, don't forget to check out Emerge Notary Agency YouTube channel description box. And also, don't forget to share this podcast.